You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Does how you get your stuff to the crag really matter that much? Couldn't you just throw it in a hefty bag and sling it over your shoulder or drag it up the trail to most cliffs just fine? Probably. But as long as we're on about things that don't matter, remember that the sun will eventually atomize the planet and suck it all into a black hole, including that beautiful rack you just finished accumulating. So does anything really matter? Well, disregarding that existential crisis, maybe it's time for a new pack from Black Diamond that looks better, carries better, and just says, I have my shit together. You can trust me. For starters, Black Diamond's Creek 50 has become a legendary all-day crag pack with haul bag durability and a smooth finish. The new Transit series takes the same sleek, no flim-flam design to the streets with tight little packs for your on-foot commute, rolling to the gym, travel, or just running down to the coffee shop to get internet and update your insta-face-my-tweet tick tube. Black Diamond also has mini packs for long routes, duffels for the gym, big packs for you kitchen sink types, lightweight running, and alpine packs. All the packs. And guess what? They even have climbing packs without ice axe loops. Most of us don't need the ice axe loops, you guys. So to get the right packs to do what you want and only what you want from the climbers at Black Diamond, go to blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. Do you like compliments? Compliments are good, right? From the outright straight to your face statements of praise to the knowing look and slight chin jut from your favorite bro at the gym, compliments can turn your frown upside down in an instant. And hands down, of all the gear I pedal on the Normacast, the item that receives the most out of the blue compliments are the splitter hats from PeterWGilroy.com. You know, the ones with the titanium plaques and badges. That's right, titanium on a hat. Peter started making these hats a few years ago and has kept the styles coming with designs inspired by the great mountain ranges of the world. So if you're one of those people with a head, go to PeterWGilroy.com and check out the splitter hats and all the wearable art that Peter creates. Even better, receive a discount and help out the Enormacast by entering Enormo at checkout. That's PeterWGilroy.com and enter Enormo at checkout. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's out. Out town. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll see. We really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed time with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormal Cast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is 
August 15th, about 1.30 p.m., and this is episode, wait, it's 2022, and this is episode 247 of the Enormacast, a conversation with climber and professional bull rider, Dustin Bowen. That's right. I found one of the rarest things on the planet, a climber who rides bulls or a bull rider who climbs. Either way, very, very rare. So Dustin got in touch with me to advertise on the Enormacast for his resole shop down in Tucson, Arizona, Rodeo Resole, which can be found at rodeoresole.com. There. I've advertised for you now, Dustin. You're welcome. Anyway, yeah, I told him I had all my advertising as far as the commercials lined up. Can't do too many. I end up turning down a lot of advertisers because Frankly, three is enough, and even sometimes three is a little annoying, I'll admit. So I don't think we can do more. But anyhow, we got chatting, and Dustin turned up in rifle, and I went out and went climbing with him. And while we were climbing, he started talking about his life on the road as a bull rider. And in fact, he was on the road, not just climbing, but going to events to ride bulls to try to uh, get back in the game after a three-year hiatus. And so as he started chatting about what life is on the road as a bull rider, I started to see all of these parallels to the climbing world. He was traveling in his Subaru, sleeping in the back, just going from rodeo to rodeo, banging them out, trying to collect some qualifying points to move on in the rankings, that sort of thing, which we'll get into in the interview. And I realized I don't know shit about bull riding. I've been to a few rodeos. Bull riding looks hard. It looks brutal even when it goes well. But as he was telling me more and more about it, I actually kind of shut him down. I said, let's talk about this on the Enormacast. And he was interested in doing it. So that's what we've got is a interview about bull riding primarily and also climbing and how those two worlds mesh for Dustin. So a little off-piste for the Enormacast. Nobody famous here, just somebody with an interesting story to tell. So since I don't have any business, just the business of putting out free podcasts, Let's get to an interview with professional bull rider, Dustin Bowen. Oh, wait, I ran into your toes the other day and they wanted to talk to you. Hey, it's your toes back with another bit of advice. Now I know you love them La Sportiva TC pros. Great for cracks, off whisks, edging and smearing on granite. And TC, well, he's kind of the godfather. A real made man, if you know what I'm saying. So I don't mean any disrespect, Tommy. But when it comes to us little toesies, sometimes it's nice to feel the rock we're grabbing. And though the fingers get all the fun stuff, the full crimping, the half crimping, three-finger drag crimping, half-four-finger drag crimping, decaf drag with two pumps of vanilla crimping, turns out us toes can push and pull too. Just like that old barefoot chuck. That guy has beautiful, crimpy little toes. A little too beautiful, if you're asking me. And we can't have people not buying shoes, now can we, Chuck? Anyway, that's where La Sportiva's reinvented mantra slipper comes in. The softest, lightest climbing shoe on the market. Thin, comfy, real sensitive. Just like us toes. You know we have a sensitive side, too. And we're happy to remind you of the pain we can feel come ice climbing season. So, in the gym, on steep climbing outside... Let your toes feel the rock instead of just knocking around in your shoe like a bunch of ripe walnuts. And get us in a pair of mantras stat. Go to Sportiva.com or your local shop 
and treat your toes to a pair of mantras and maybe, as a special treat, we'll let you keep all your toenails this year. Oh wait, what? It's mantra, not mantra? What's a mantra? I don't think Gumby derives from anything. What is it in bull riding? Gunzel. A gunzel. Yeah. I think in surfing it's a kook. A kook. <laughs> yeah, K-double-O-K. A gunzel. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Normally, you know, I, I do the thing of like, how'd you get into climbing or whatever? Where'd it come from? But let's go the other direction. So let's talk about bull riding. Did you grow up like a ranch kid? How does someone end up flopping themselves around on the back of a bull? Uh, Where'd you come from? Yeah, it wasn't so much. I mean, we had a small farm growing up. Uh-huh. Um, and my mom grew up with horses and stuff, and she didn't really want us living in town because we could just kind of walk anywhere. Mm-hmm. So if we were out on a farm, she could kind of keep a better eye on us. <laughs> How'd that work? It worked good. Oh, like, really? I mean, we couldn't like, I mean, we couldn't <laughs> walk anywhere. That's for sure. So she was able because she was a single mom. So okay. it was it was a lot easier for her to keep an eye on us. And uh, she always had horses growing up. And so my sister started doing like 4-H and Mm -hmm. Western Pleasure. And we'd go to like the local rodeo every year. And I started kind of getting fixated on rough stock because it was like baddest thing, like the coolest thing. And of course, that's what I wanted to do. And when I turned 10 years old, my mom was like, all right, well, I'll take him to a school and it'll scare the crap out of them and then it won't be a thing anymore and then it just turned out that i was like naturally really good at it i like won the first three rodeos i went to in the steer riding <laughs> and then after that it was it was kind of on your it, mom's just like Damn yeah it. she's like <laughs> <laughs> she's like trying to pay somebody like give him something harder like give him a bigger one let's get it, him out of this shit <laughs> it was funny like the second steer i got on at the at the clinic I, I've never seen this happen before, but I was kind of sliding off the side and my spur got caught in my rope and it hung me upside down and I got kicked in the face like twice. And then I fell off and they were like, do you want to get on another one? And I was like, ah, uh, and they were like, that's like the pivotal moment. Like you can either say no or you can say yes. And you're kind of like going down that path and mm-hmm. sticking with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kept doing steer riding and then did high school rodeo which got me into like collegiate rodeo which got me a full ride to school got all my school paid for so you were in tucson or like outside of tucson at this point that's where you live now where, where was this happening this whole farm to bull riding thing it was actually on the east coast right oh really pennsylvania oh okay yeah so it's not that big over there and uh and that's like going out to like the high school national finals like the east coast kids never really get a lot of like praise or expected to do very well mm-hmm. i actually did pretty well at the high school finals all right so go back a little bit because we're gonna we're talking we're talking to a whole audience of gunzels <laughs> so <laughs> what when you said rough stock like that that's you're throwing out these terms oh, oh yeah it's just like climbing there's like this shit that only you know that that it's jargon that's like yeah totally. made to to kind of keep everybody um <laughs> i mean that's the thing about jargon and i think it works the same in climbing like it's it's both it's both like useful because you're talking about things that need names, but um, I think jargon a lot of times is also to sort of insulate, mm-hmm. keep everybody out and keep everybody in. So you you know it's just like if you say to your mom like what's the bait on on you know how to cook this this certain thing, it's like you're you're 
they're gonna be like what's beta yeah you know but um so yeah what's rough stock uh well like there's the mean mean animals well <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it basically relates to like so there's eight different events in rodeo okay um rough stock is the three events where it's it's riding a an animal like you have saddle bronc riding bareback riding and bull riding those are the three okay. rough stock events okay the wyoming uh cowboy with the with the horse with his legs in the air like that graphic image that you see everywhere that's bronc riding because that's like a mean horse yeah oh uh, well i mean it's <laughs> i think you're referring to bareback riding okay a saddle is saddle bronc riding and a, a bareback rigging is kind of just like a suitcase handle uh and it's just one rigging okay um, uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but a, a, a basic saddle has two riggings, like the front and yeah. the back, for like a back uh, in front uh, to go around the horse. Mm-hmm. And if you take all of that stuff away, it's just a simple rigging, and then you, they put a suitcase handle basically on it. And bareback riding is... I actually used to bareback ride in college and uh-huh. high school, and it's it's so rough. Like, it was too brutal for me. Like, you're, you know, you're just holding on with your thighs. Like, there's no... No stirrups. You're not sitting no, in so, yeah. any sort of pad. They're just yeah. like you and the beast. And you're kind of going against the momentum of the horse. Like you're you're dragging up as they're coming back and trying to beat them back to the ground. And oh right. Uh, you just get yanked on like constantly. Very rarely feels good. Besides the saddle bronc riding and bull riding, like you can get in time with the animal. Right. It's actually you know a very flow state. So. I'm gonna like I'm gonna just gonna belabor the living shit out of like the climbing metaphors. Um, just I'm warning you and the audience. But like so, you know, if we had like bouldering, sport climbing, and aid climbing, which which one's which? As far as bull riding goes, as far as bull riding, bareback and mm, Bronx. <laughs> I, I would say bareback riding would be bouldering because it's like full body tension just like, and it's it's a fight right you know uh pure power yeah and yeah. saddle bronc riding and bull riding would probably be like i or let's say sport like get rid of aid sport and oh trad. yeah sport and trad uh, i would say trad climbing would be more like the bull riding yeah uh and i'd explain the saddle bronc first saying that sport climbing because it's generally a horse will buck straight down the pen mm-hmm. and a lot of the bronc rides look very similar and bull riding, it's kind of like, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you can watch a video of a bull and, oh, he's always going to go to the left. And, you know, maybe that day he comes out and spins to the right. Like, And then also when you get off and you're on your feet, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know, some bulls, they're all, you know, they're animals. They have personalities. Some of them, you can go back and pet them and scratch them behind the ear. And other ones will just, like, try to like take you out all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, i've only you know i've watched it maybe as much as any normal person but yeah it does seem to be like when you see those bulls they're like twisting and turning way more while a like a, a horse has kind of got their sort of like i think what you meant is straight mm-hmm. down the pen they've got like they're straight up yeah like i need to launch this dude this direction but it feels like that the bulls are way more twisty spinny like there's a lot more yeah. uh, going on. Yeah. That's why, I mean, you don't really see a lot of bronc riders fall off. It's very much judged. On style. Yeah. And then bull riding, you might only have a few guys stay on, and it's still judged, but you can almost always guarantee you're going to get money. Right. You know? If you stay on. Yeah. Right. Okay. If you fall off. 
No money. <laughs> no money. It's just like climbing. It's like no red yeah. point. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> you got to send it the chains. And it's eight seconds, right? That's the famous. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any idea why? Uh, there's probably like a long history, history of- about it and all of that stuff. Um, there is eight events in rodeo, you know, so I don't. I don't so really the know letter, the from. number eight, is a mystical rodeo number. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are the other events? And we're talking about like barrel racing and roping and all those barrel sorts of racing, things. roping, steer wrestling, all that good stuff. It's all we call that stuff timed events, okay. or you know, you call them timies. As another little jargon, like right. they're not judged, so it's very cut and dry who wins those sure. events. It's like a rope foot race. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how you ran it, just how fast you got to the mm-hmm. to the end. That's rad, yeah. And it did you were you ever involved in like roping events and things like that? Oh yeah, we did everything when we were kids growing up. Right. My mom was taking the time to take us to rodeo. She wanted us to win as much as we could, you know, mm-hmm. get as much out of it as we could. Right. And was your did your mom grow up doing these events and stuff too, or was the horse thing later? I was. She grew up with a horse, and right. it's about as standard as you know, as a pet kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. just something to ride every now and then. Yeah. That's interesting. And in Pennsylvania, like, you know, was this sort of an alternative path or were all like your neighbors and kids and around you into it or were you guys no, pretty, it, pretty it, unusual? It was very obscure and I definitely got bullied a, a bit in school trying to like have like passion for this obscure thing. Really? Oh, yeah. I was a tiny kid too. I mean, you see how short I am now. And right. The funny thing is like being a bull rider, being short is like the best thing yeah you know low center of gravity kind of thing yeah they're not flopping a bunch of weight around either yeah yeah Yeah. that's interesting yeah i never really thought about that but um you know and this is a podcast so no one can see you but yeah you're not like you're not some big swaggering sort of cowboy type (laughs) yeah Yeah. but you find that's big that's been helpful yeah no it's it's there's very few of some of the best guys in the world that are are fairly tall or over six foot yeah it's just physics Mm mm-hmm just like this fulcrum of what's being like flopped around up there that i never thought about i mean i don't know shit about it that's why i asked you to come on the podcast (laughs) so um and then the climbing thing like let's let's talk a little bit about that i think you know one of the interesting things i i I was thinking about we were climbing yesterday and it's just talking with you got me thinking about it and to me we're going to talk about these parallels but then i also you know it's kind of a definitely these two worlds that don't normally mesh i mean i don't think you probably you were even saying this like there's are there any other like competitive good bull riders that are climbers that you know of uh no no i mean i i know uh, you know i've been in the top 15 in the world and i know the top guys and i've tried to take them climbing (laughs) and uh, you know i've gotten uh like the french bareback rider i was telling you about evan jane like i got him pretty stoked Mm -hmm. on climbing and and you guys heard that right the french bareback rider yeah there's 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 rodeo in france right yeah it's surprising but there I've, i've been to one with him in france before it was pretty cool is it a trip as far as i mean i like the whole sport is so infused with this american west Mm -hmm. right like you were saying even coming out of pennsylvania or east coasters you guys like our second fiddle too and and it it's it's as not even necessary skill wise but it's just infused with this mythology which we all live with out here in the west like cowboy cattle yeah you know i mean even it's like Indian Creek, like cattle, 
cowboys, you know, um, in incidences where the climbers and the cowboys have problems. And so I, I can imagine, like, even in France, like, it's still infused with the imagery, the swagger, the, the kind of legend of the West. So is it, I mean, are these French cowboys, like... It's uh, most of their dreams to come over here and compete in the States. And the same thing with the Aussies. Like, there's a, a rodeo presence in Australia, too. And we see a good mixture of them uh-huh. come over here. And especially Evan coming over and doing as well as he did. It brought, like, now people from his local area are like, hey, I can do it now. You know, it kind of brings the wave of people to to try to get right. over here and, and actually do it. And, like, stylistically, are they, like, kind of emulating the the look, the Wranglers, the... The, oh, the yeah. vest, the, the hats, and everything else. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, yeah, it's, I mean, there's actually a thing called rodeo attire that mm-hmm. we have to like dress by. So it's, you know, button down shirt, jeans, boots. Right. And if you're not in rodeo attire behind the shoots or anything, you can be fined. You, you can't like wear freaking like Patagonia, like no, <laughs> your, no. your jacket and shit out there. I mean, you can wear a jacket, <laughs> right, but, right. but you need to have like, you know, your standard you Western have to have attire. The look. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. What about, um, you, this is like far afield, but what, what about like South Americans? Cause they have a, you know, they have a huge cattle tradition in Argentina oh. and, um, and, and then, you know, and they have like the Spanish influence means they have this whole bullfighting thing, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily. It's kind of I think it's kind of like a, a little bit adjacent to actual cattle raising. I think like the bull riding and the bronc riding and all that stuff was an extension of that yeah. culture. While I think because it was infused from Spain, matador have been the aristocracy it's like almost like they're knights Mm -hmm. um so it's sort of adjacent to raising cattle but i again i know there's this huge brazilian uh cattle raising and and argentina's got their gauchos that have all their skills um but does that kind of flow into the scene up here some of the guys coming up from down there i mean like it's it's funny that you bring that up but the brazilians are some of like the best bull riders in the world and they they come here from like dirt floors mm-hmm. and you know make millions of dollars riding bulls like the americans can be a bit spoiled at times like these guys come to ride bulls and like you know to get a new life kind of thing and mm-hmm. and even like their bull ropes we have uh, american style bull ropes and brazilian style bull ropes and now the brazilian rope is almost the go to for most young kids cuz it it's I could show you later, but um, it basically pulls you to the center of uh-huh. the bull's back, and it it does make things quite a lot easier. You don't get hung up in them as much. All around, they're even a little safer, I guess you could say. God, it's a, it's amazing because I can only imagine like all of these things are like so steeped in their traditions, like because I can imagine like a Brazilian bull rope was orig- originally like made out of some local thing and woven in some way that was probably like basically like traditional and then you know when you're talking about being small there's uh, at least in argentina because i i interface with that culture down there more so but you know a lot of like the hands the ranch hands they are are indigenous a lot of them have a lot of indigenous blood in them or however you want to say it um the mapuche down there so and I remember distinctly noticing how small all these gauchos were. Mm. Like, they're little dudes because that, that sort of, um, you know, genetically, that's they're like a small people. And uh, so then it jumped to, like, right there. And I know it's the same in Brazil. Like, the, the hands are, are mm-hmm. a lot of times from 
from indigenous cultures. So they're probably small. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, oh, yeah. And then they can get up on these bulls and fucking ride them like, like nobody's business being like small people that are freaking strong, you know? Mm. Those guys are beasts. Like, they train and work out more than most other people. Well, and like you said about kind of, you know, coming from that background, like, you know, I think when life is hard, you become hard. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, showing up and all the things that people complain about here are probably like luxurious mm-hmm. accommodations and things like that. So let's move a little bit to the road life. Uh, cause that was something I thought sounded really parallel And right now. In fact, you, you're sort of having a second coming of your road life right now. It's funny cause you're dirt bagging out of a Subaru or no. Yeah. Subaru. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so just again, uh, I met Dustin yesterday. We, we communicated online and then decided to go climb together. You also have a resole business, um, which we could talk about as well, rodeo resole. So you're in the culture, like you're 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 not just like somebody who's sort of flirting with climbing. Like it's a big part of your life as well. Yeah. But anyhow, so I saw his rig, and he's got like this platform in the back of his. What kind of? It's not even an outback. It's a. It's, it's not a, even a it's wagon. It's a cross track. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's a. Small. It's like a hatchback. But I'm small, so yeah. But anyway, I took mercy on him, so he's he's at my house right now and spent the night here. I'm like, dude, you're gonna go ride bulls. Like, why don't you get a decent night's sleep? But the fact is, is you're out dirt bagging, half climber, half rodeo guy, just for the last couple weeks, um, living in your car, just like a climber would. But you're gonna mix it up with doing rodeo. But in the past, you were a full on on the road RV living rodeo guy. So tell me about that lifestyle. Because I know it exists, and I know you guys have to travel like overnight, nightly to get to these rodeos and to, to bang them out. Um, mm. So talk a little bit about that lifestyle. Yeah, so um, everyone is trying to get to the NFR at the end of the year. It's like our Super Bowl of rodeo. It's actually in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've gotten to compete at it twice. They take top 15 in the world. Uh, I actually went climbing when I was there for that rodeo. <laughs> So everyone needs to be in the top 15 by the end of the year. So there's hundreds of PRCA events, and you pick and choose what you want to go to. And the more you win, the more you get into the bigger events. So, you know, like our winter run is what, you know, we go to Denver, and then we go Rapid City, fly back down to Fort Worth. Then if you have the short round in Denver, you have to fly back for the short round, finish in Fort Worth. And then you start heading, you know, south, east, Mississippi, Florida, and then come back to Tucson. You know, it's nonstop all year round, kind of chasing the weather with most rodeos. During the winter, we're actually in indoor events like the Denver Coliseum and that kind of stuff. And then as we move into the summer, it's, you know, all outdoor rodeos like Cheyenne and Pendleton. Traveling on the road, usually guys are like bunked together to save money. I can imagine that now it's even more so but very much like show up to a rodeo and everyone's like hey you got a place to stay oh my buddy's got a friend here in town you can crash with him a lot of like couch surfing and stuff like that and when i got my rv finally like after having a couple good years uh, then i was able to kind of give back to that too like you what are you doing crashing in your car come i have a spare bed in the rv you can you can crash with me kind of thing and and as soon as I started making money, I was could afford climbing gear, and then I would try to climb in my free time. And but back then it was, I I wouldn't I don't want to say it wasn't climbing, but it was me bouldering by myself and 
maybe hanging some fixed lines to rope solo some stuff if I could get to the top. I told you I didn't even like know how to stick clip up or out. So, you know, I, I went to like Smith Rock and did some traversy bouldering stuff and like that was that kind of thing, you know. And now it's like I took those three years off and kind of immersed myself into climbing fully. Mm-hmm. And now it's like now I can go to Smith Rock and I can like try on sighting or get a project for the following year. So it's I'm I'm really excited about that to revisit these these areas that, you know, rodeos go to during like reasonable times of the year. Uh-huh. I don't I don't know yet quite if they line up so much. Um I know it's a little warm right here right now doing the Colorado rodeos for places like Rifle, but I mean it's still great to get out there and no, climb. No, Rifle's a great summer climbing area. It's just, we'll, w- those of us who get to climb there in the fall, we just bitch all summer long. Yeah. Um, but it's perfectly fine. I mean, it's perfectly usable, and that's why everybody's there is because yeah. of that, like, sunshade plus the creeks there. But, but yeah, we just bitch anyway. Yeah. Um, and so it makes people think that you can't climb there in the summertime, but you certainly, it's certainly great. I mean, we had a great morning yesterday, temps-wise, so. It's a lot too, like like young climbers coming up like they do the absolute minimum that they need to to get down the road and stuff and it's mm-hmm. a lot like bull riders like when i first started i was in like a small hyundai elantra with like a crash pad in the back to sleep barely having enough to go to like the next rodeo kind of thing and like scraping by and then once you pay your dues like some of these pro climbers i'm i'm assuming like are traveling pretty comfortably and are able to like not have to stress as much about finances and stuff and that's right. kind of how rodeo works and so with rodeo pro rodeo or or we have like pro climber everybody else but i mean you're a professional rodeo or because you make money at it and it's kind of yeah you're you you know you're making this living and that's i i feel like there's a lot of parallels there because again you're like you know you're living off of prize money probably there's somewhere where if you're good enough you graduate into some sort of professional um sponsorships oh yeah you know there's products there's there's Mm -hmm. businesses just like in climbing that want their products on the best bull riders or even decent ones so and i imagine it's the same thing of like these tiers of like climbers you know they someday they get good enough to get like free shoes and gear Mm -hmm. but no money yeah and then they get good enough to be like free shoes gear and you get some trips paid for but there's not a salary involved Mm -hmm. and then you finally sort of graduate to like you get an actual paycheck that shows up regularly and you can count on it. Plus you get your gear, plus you get some trips paid for. And that's like, that's like toe into proper, I'm making a living doing this. But then there's even tears with that, obviously, because, you know, obviously the, the Andres and the Yanya Garnbretts of the world, fucking their paychecks are, are, are decent, you know, they're buying a house and they have like a normal life. I think even like those guys are probably like, starting to get into kind of rock star money mm. but that's super rare and it's also european yeah um and then other if you're not alex honnold in the states you're basically like a working stiff even at a high level so is does that fit like is it like all tiered out like that and everybody's sort of scraping around to try to make it all work it is and it's also uh, a bit different because what i found like i'll uh i tried for the longest time to get sponsors and uh starting out kind of like what you're talking about the sponsors usually go to people that know people because everyone at the end of the year needs to give money away right but they want to give it to people that they know like family members and stuff but 
the funny thing about rodeo is once you're riding at the a level where sponsors are talking to you, you're already making so much money. It's like, you know, a thousand dollar check a month here and there. It's, it's like, all right, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll wear, I'll wear your logo on your shirt, but you know, I just made 20 grand. Like I'm not too worried about sponsors now. And then it's mm-hmm. at that point, it's like, I, ch- I used to try so hard to get sponsors and now it's like, I don't really need that. Uh, some of them, some of the bigger name ones for like the top five guys are, are definitely getting like a, uh, you know, some royalties that mm-hmm. definitely help out a lot. But I've always dabbled in the top fifteen and not so much in the top five. I mean, don't some of like the I mean, don't some of like the mainstream folks drop in once in a while, like a beer, beer, like a Budweiser or somebody like that? Do they ever sponsor rodeo guys? Oh yeah, I think um, the main one is Coors. Okay, does, oh, right. does Coors, pro rodeo? Yeah, their whole image uh, is the West. And, Pendleton does yeah. pro rodeo. They're mm-hmm. big into it. Um, tobacco fell off. Oh. Like they don't do tobacco anymore. Smokeless used to be a big part of rodeo. Um, but yeah, like uh, these big corporations, uh, will definitely, uh, sponsor these guys and yeah. they definitely get some. Yeah. Cause I've always joked about that. I mean, I've, you know, it's like you could get in, get hooked up with some Toyota money. <laughs> um, but then Broncos dropped in the Ford has brought dropped in this last couple of years with their, with their Bronco ambassadors in climbing. So it's like, it's there, but it's interesting you say that about the prize money because that's just not really an issue in climbing because even shit i mean even if you're just a comp climber like the competitive purses are kind of dismal yeah you know and and it's like top couple three people get Mm -hmm. like an okay check that literally covers their expenses to go and after that i mean especially americans who are competing in europe first of all that you know it's only been in recent times that the american competitors could even compete in europe at any level that was significant but once you, you know, your plane ticket, your living expenses when you're over there, yeah, it's 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 definitely like a dead end in terms of financially, and the whole thing is sponsorship. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of interesting that it's different. Yeah, and and a lot of the ways too, it's um, the prize money. Like we're not getting paid like like NFL athletes, sure. even though we're doing something extremely crazier and, and dangerous. Uh, but you know, we're still making like a a reasonable living you know we're not we're not getting that prize money for nothing we have to pay you know like this weekend i had eight hundred dollars in fees between the four rodeos i'm going to so if i don't make any money i lose all of that plus travel yeah you know it's it's a little stressful when the money's like up and down like spend two grand over like a month and not have any luck and then you know win five grand and it's just like a roller coaster and if you can if you can get a good run going it's like awesome you know yeah i mean it's cool because it's like i don't know it's this weird it's a passion thing right it's still this passion thing you 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 got into it because it was something that like drew you in so i mean i I do want to move to climbing as well we've been sort of dancing with it here but i mean tell me a little bit about that like the climbing thing it's I mean, this whole show is about, like, why? Why is it so cool? Why does it draw draw people in, in in this way that it takes over their lives, you know? And and you said that, like, the success you had probably was the, the draw to why you're still doing it now. But what was it, like, what did it seem cool about it? Like, why did you, the kid next to you stop doing it or not get into it or and you were like no this is like my thing like this is fucking cool it's a it's a little easier in bull riding honestly because the people that 
Like, cause you know, you go through youth rodeo, high school, collegiate and pro, and you see a lot of your friends that you thought were like super into it kind of be like, yeah, I'm done. And a lot of that's cause of injuries. Yeah. No, I mean, some, it's, it's way more brutal. Some like, people, that's where the climbing thing yeah. like, goes completely the opposite direction. So, some people get, <laughs> you know, those first couple major injuries, which like every bull rider has, you know, a couple like long-term injuries. It can phase people out pretty quick, mm-hmm. you know. And winning at that kind of level, it's it's definitely like addicting to like. I, I you know it's funny when I went and I quit for like those three years, and I put a lot of work into a, a project and I'd send it. I'd have that like same kind of feeling of accomplishment when I got off a bull, but then I realized like I'm not getting any money for that. <laughs> 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 so it's like oh, I gotta just kind of be like humble about this and just like have it be for me you know mm-hmm. but uh yeah the bull riding for me it was always about like i want to do like the baddest the coolest thing and bull riding in rodeo always kind of was that they were mm-hmm. kind of like the the more so rock stars of of the game right and there's a lot of opportunities to make i think bull riders are generally making the most money out of rodeo competitors mm-hmm. you know and that's kind of what uh, drew me in. And I was naturally gifted at it early on at the sure. start. Like, it's it's funny, like, when you ride bulls, it's not like you try to do anything. It's all, like, subconscious. And that's why bull riding is, like, such a mental sport more mm-hmm. than anything. Like, if I'm fighting my head, there's very slim chance I'm going to do good. Right. You kind of have to be, like, overly confident that you can do this crazy thing. And then it's kind of just a blur when you nod your head, your body just right. reacts. Right. So we spent a ton of time talking about fear and climbing. Uh, what about fear? I mean, it's like, I don't know. Again, we're, I, I want to get into sort of like the, the the ways in which the whole thing just like my whole belabored fucking metaphor here just like falls apart. Um, one of them is, is, the, is the, the literal danger of injury. I mean, that's constant. It's way more brutal than climbing. But what about the fear? Like, are you fucking scared? Like, and when you were a little kid, like, what, 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 how were you able to be 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever and like fucking get on one of those things? You know, I just like, it's just so, I don't even like horses. Sorry, any, <laughs> any horse people. Like, I'm not a big fan. Like, they're okay. But I'd have to be like really, really persuaded to, I've been on horses before and that's enough. Like I'm good. <laughs> so, yeah. They seem too big and they're like docile, like at least the ones you ride. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me about that. Tell me about the fear and whether you're just like good at getting rid of it. Are you still scared at least a bit when you, when they're about to pull the gate or whatever? The, the funny thing What's about the term, uh, as far as just when they let, 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 let the damn thing rip. Oh, uh, like, I mean, open the gate. Yeah. Oh, just it's kind of, okay, yeah. Cool. There's um, no, no dropping the blah, blah, blah. No. Like, <laughs> um, the hula hand. I know that's something different. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's funny, like the bull riding culture, like, especially when you grow up into it, being back behind the buck and shoots, it's like, they kind of like try to beat that into you at an early age. Like, like if you're like scared it's like oh you do it anyway just get on like you know be be tough like kind of like that kind of mentality of like i don't care if i'm scared i'm just gonna cowboy up i guess as you would say and and do it kind of thing and 
And if you go to the right places at a young age, like they don't just put you on like the meanest thing. Like you get <laughs> you get some some nice. You bulls. get to ride the what the sheep. The, yeah, the, you, you get do the, the mutton bus for sheep a while. riding, yeah. calf riding. I started out at steer riding, and a lot of them would just kind of run down the pen, and oh, okay. it kind of you immersed yourself into it. And steers they got their balls chopped off, right? Like if you actually have like a rancher term for a steer, like yeah, that's that's what that means that okay. they're castrated. But in the rodeo sense, it's just the smaller animal okay. for the younger kids. Okay, cool. Um, but but yeah, like you, they ease you into it as as best as they can, and. And then by the time that you, you know, if you start at a young age, you're nice and, fr- you know, you're not fragile, so you can take some hits. And, you know, it's it's like a lot of things that if you're brought up into it slowly, like, it just seems kind of like a natural thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm definitely still scared. <laughs> okay. So you're in, you're standing there, and it's partially like, I got to control that, or do you yes. just, or is it still just like, I know when this thing goes out there, it's, I'm, I'm going to go into my, into my few flow state yeah i mean it's a lot like i don't know if you've ever done slack lining uh not really but um like you can't really control what you're doing just focus on like the general aspect is right. balancing and that state of mind is what you want to be in for bull riding you want to be like you don't want to be distracted you want to like the announcer could say anything and it's just like right you know wind blowing kind of thing like and once you get into that state like I'm not really afraid anymore. Like I'm nervous before I, you know, crawl over, but I try to like snap that, that switch on as soon as I crawl over the shoots. And so tell me a couple, um, a couple of the worst stories. Oh, like some wrecks. Yeah. Oh man. Um, do you want to hear a funny one or like a rough? Well, uh, do both. Okay. Um, so I was in college in Odessa, Texas and, um, like Fort Worth's about like a five hour drive and they'd have this, they have a weekly bull ride in there. Like it's, it's enough to maybe go and make some cash and have like a fun college night out. I went like once and I was like, yeah, I'm never going to drive over there for that again. And, uh, my buddies got into like a, a special event where the contractors, the people that own the bulls call them to come get on their bulls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll tag along. Maybe I'll get on a bull. If not, I'll be already at the stock show. So I'll just get on in Fort Worth at the little thing, maybe make 500 bucks. So they drop me off and go to the bull ride and they're like, Hey, call us, call us when, when you're done, we'll pick you up. And I have this bull and he's like fighting the shoot, could barely get my rope on him. And long story short, as soon as I nod my head, he just clocks me in the head, knocks me cold out. I wake up in like the back and they're like holding me down. I'm like, what's going on? And I like completely forgot the whole day. So I don't know how I got to the rodeo. And they're like, who'd you come here with? And I'm like, I guess I came by myself. I was like, I don't know why I would. I'd never drive down here for like this little, like there's not a lot of money here. And I'm like freaking out. And they tell me like my jaw's broken. I need to go to the hospital. I'm like, I don't even know where I parked my car. Like, how am I going to get to the hospital? And my buddy calls me up because he wants to pick me up. And he's like, where are you at? And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking he's still in Odessa at college. I'm like, I'm in Fort Worth, dude. I don't know why I came here. Like, I'm like lost right now. Like, I got to go to the hospital. And he's like, where are you? I'm like, I told you I'm in Fort Worth. And he's like, no, where are you? He's like, I'm in Fort Worth too. And I was like, you're in Fort Worth? What are the odds? Can you come pick me up? And he's like, I'm trying to come pick you up. Where are you? And I'm like, I'm behind the bucking shoots at the stockyard. And they come get me and we drive like five hours back to the Odessa and 
my jaws like clicking and popping. Why? Why go to the hospital? That's why I was like, I was like, I was like, Bo. They told me that I should go to the hospital. He's, He's like, like, you can wait till we get back to back to college. And I was like, okay. He was the only I mean, one. He's that, right. Yeah, he if was. You the weren't only, actually bleeding out. Then yeah, yeah you could wait. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but my jaw was cracking back and forth, and he's like, "Oh, it's just cartilage." But now they had to like put a couple plates in. And so let me ask you this: So when you got knocked out, did did the did the bull go out and like flop your little rag doll around for a while? I don't know. I don't no. remember. They didn't tell you. <laughs> no, I oh. mean it is funny. Right. Like I don't like to talk about getting knocked out because I have been knocked out several times. But uh, sometimes it is a bit of a relief to have that part of your life control alt delete and not experience it because it can be kind of terrifying getting like in those kind of sure you know run down run over it's it's like being in a car accident you know yeah yeah well i mean fuck dude concussions like that's not it's not something to mess around with um and that's why like like back when i was younger like another like really bad wreck i had this bull that's like they finally kicked him out of the PRCA. He was too mad because he right. about knocked someone out. And every time someone got on him, and he'd also camp on you, which is a term where they like don't leave you alone. They just like try to wreck you nonstop. And like so, after you fall off, yeah, and like they will like like camp out on you, like and stay there instead of like hit you and keep running, right? And it was pouring down rain at this place. Like the arena was like thick in mud and. I had that bull drawn and I was like, I should turn out, but I'm no, I'm no, like the whole bull rider mentality. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, right. I'm not turning out. Right. I'm not going to So turning out means bailing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like you pay your fees and, and you, you just don't like, get on. It. Yeah. I'm out. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And I get on this bull and he like buries me in the mud and I don't remember any of it, but like my, my friends were like, we thought you drowned. Like we didn't see you right. for a while. Like, and apparently I was out there for like, maybe a minute getting like hammered on and i only remember crawling back up over the shoots right and i was like oh man and my friends are just like ghost-eyed looking at me i'm like was it bad <laughs> so i have a i you know you showed me some videos of these and maybe you'll maybe you'll um, let me post them um when we get this thing out but do you have a helmet on now with i do mask is that standard required unusual um because i mean in my head like i've you know just seen this yeah. and that and movies and stuff and it's always some dude you know with a cowboy hat on um but yeah what's up with the helmet i mean obviously besides the fact that you're fucking smart and you <laughs> should wear a goddamn helmet when you're bull riding do other people do that is that seem as is seen as kind of like this this out or whatever so i didn't wear a helmet until i broke my jaw okay yeah <laughs> and then i was like i'm getting on the helmet train but right. now it is more rare to see someone in a hat okay because it's just the the quality of bull is so much more stout. Sure, I guess that's right. They're, it's they're been breeding, breeding these. They're fucking breeding things, yeah. these things like, and it's uh, a show. They want. Yeah, they want, want the show. And these these contractors make a lot of money having the best bulls in the right. world. So a helmet, yeah, and they even make special bull riding helmets designed for it, which I don't really, I'm not really for quite yet because I mean Bauer's been making helmets for so many years mm-hmm. and I usually do so like the, a ski helmet or like a, a goalie, hockey a hockey, hockey sorry, helmet sorry that's yeah. what I meant and then we have reinforced cages that right. are made out of I think they keep them steel because you don't want the titanium to snap right so the steel like then you have this sharp the, thing like yeah by your throat well I've had I've had friends <laughs> get their cages right. crushed right and it's no business that's why the bull rider cage sticks out a little bit more sure. just in case it does 
but yeah, I'm I'm definitely glad to be wearing a helmet. Well, it's it's kind of uh, remi- I mean, climbing is getting there, but it's still I think it's still pretty 50-50 on helmets. Everybody's like, "Oh, I will always wear them at in X, Y, and Z." Mm-hmm. Um, but not always. Like it's rare to see a helmet and rifle. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, w- once you get into a certain level of climbing, um is elitism kind of as that sounds, but you know, I think about skiing, like I think it's you know, when I started skiing, like nobody wore helmets. Yeah. And I think it's weird now to see at least people, you know, skiing hard without a helmet on. And I feel like I go to the, if I forget my helmet, even just a resort day, I feel mm-hmm. weird and like out of place. So, um, so it's good to hear that, that, you know, the trend is towards helmets. Oh yeah. And like you said, like there's some guys that ride in a hat because they're like, that's what's cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm I like, I'm like, nah, I've been, I need to keep my, uh, level of, uh, concussion to a minimum if I can. Right. Well, again, I've been like belaboring this metaphor or comparisons, although they're there, you know? Um, and, and you were, so you brought that up with me right away. It's like, Oh yeah, there's these things that are the same. So, you know, one of the reasons that it piqued my interest to have you on here was that because it does appear. And I think in a lot of ways, it's a very different world. Um, just culturally, you know, just this, and, and just talking about that, like this kind of like cowboy up, be tough, like that seems to pervade not just bull riding, but that kind of culture, like, mm-hmm. you know, don't be a pussy and, yeah. you know, and, and the climbing, I don't know, it, it has moments of that, but I think it's a much more touchy feely, uh, everybody get along kind of. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. So you, you, how did you start climbing? And right away, it sounds like those you were trying to mesh those two things together, at least lifestyle-wise. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how that didn't work necessarily. Yeah. But how did you? I mean, what have how climbing just pop onto your radar? Uh, I mean, I always like loved the idea of climbing. Like I was always climbing stuff as a kid and everything. And I just, you know, back before YouTube and stuff, like I I probably can't climb. Like I it, there's probably a ton that goes into that. Right. And then one of my girlfriend's uncle uh, climbed a lot in college. Like, he'd done trips to Yosemite and done Half Dome and, you know, was a really strong climber. And I finally had someone to go climbing with. And he took me out climbing. We actually went to, like, uh, Eldo and and stuff. And um, a lot of climbing in Colorado when I first started out. And I was just, like, obsessed with it. And the funny thing, like, for me climbing, like, it fills a part of my needs that bull riding doesn't mm-hmm. like climbing it's like i can do x y and z and get a result i can work really really hard and see progress and in bull riding it's like i believe i can do that and you might do it you might not like right. there's days where you like are like the best and there's other days you get like slammed in the gate you know and climbing always has that thing that like i put in the hard work and i get something out and sure I, I really enjoy that and just trying to like have something to take my mind off rodeo because it can be very stressful and climbing was always kind of my saving grace to like mm-hmm. get out in the mountains and kind of be by myself and focus on something that I was really passionate about on the side. Right. Yeah. And as you got sort of deeper into the community, you were already like well into bull riding when you started climbing seriously. I mean, I was, I was only, uh, riding bulls professionally right. at that point. Right. Um, like climbing, like I, I said earlier, it was, 
it was very shoddy. Like, oh, why is that guy climbing at that crag this time of the day in the sun? Like, I was that guy. Like, right. I didn't know what was going on. Like, I just wanted to get on some rock. Right. You know, like, so I was... Uh, Steer clear of that dude. Yeah, right? Like, what's he doing? Like, why does he have, like, all those ropes tied up so weird? Because, like, I had some knowledge, but, right. you know... Right. Like the first time I rope soloed on a micro traction, I had like no backup. Mm-hmm. I was like, this seems a little sketchy, but like, I guess it's supposed to work. Right. You know, like not knowing about backups, not knowing about stick clips and just, right. just trying to get out and, and, and have fun with it. You Plenty know? of people who know better just solo on a yeah. traction with no backup. So yeah. don't, don't worry about that part too bad. But yeah, let me ask you about the culture then. Um, you know, because I have this like, I'm, I mean, I just have like, this image of like six or seven like super skinny little ripped climbers in their flashy like colorful climber gear because i mean you can always you can spot a climber in a crowd like a mile away um like a crowd of normal people like you know meeting on the street with like six like hard hardcore bull rider dudes like that could work, but it could also not work, you know? Yeah. And actually, you know, it's, it's funny because, like, you kind of – I just got back from Lander, and you kind of witnessed that in the town of Lander. And the town mm-hmm. of Lander is interesting in Wyoming because it's it's way old cowboy culture, you know, Wyoming culture, which – Wyoming culture, you know, is sort of like this – I think it's like the the Western culture on steroids, which then – bleeds over into i think rodeo culture right that's where it comes <laughs> from is this whole thing but then they've always had a Knowles, no not always but Knowles has been there for decades so they've had this infusion of sort of hippie climber culture and then the then the climber showed up and actually one of todd skinner's motivations when he started the international climbers festival was that it was like let's integrate these people because he had that whole i'm a cowboy image which mm. yeah i mean and that was part of his like kind of pr really in a mm. lot of ways i mean people might bust my chops for saying that but um so yeah that was the integration but i think the integration came from the fact that they were sort of these two two cultures that may or may not get along what's your sort of opinion about having a foot in the climbing culture because now you're deep in it like you were you know you were sort of this isolated like gumby guy that was out there doing weird shit that you know made people avoid you um but now i mean you're fully in it you've got a resale company you're 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 just as deep in the climbing culture you you know you rolled up to rifle and we're no longer afraid to just be like hey can i climb with you guys and you know started climbing with people out of the blue which i think is you know something like a like someone who's new to the sport would definitely have a hard time doing that's kind of a graduation be like i'm good enough i'm confident enough to just roll up and climb with people so tell me about that one foot in one world one foot in the other world where they where they mesh and and where maybe you keep your mouth shut in one about one thing and keep your mouth shut in the other about about other things you know yeah i mean i think it would have like the differences between the two would be a lot more present if we were talking about like early 90s um especially now in the like the sports world of rodeo it's it's an athletic thing and i feel like the respect for athlete to athlete is is always there like bull riders are training hard I mean, basically to stay healthy. Like if you're in a good shape, you can take a beating more easily. Climbers, of course, are training hard. So I feel like that aspect has some respect through it. And, you know, the difference would probably be, you know, the P 
PC culture, like you were saying, like the level of sensitivity is, is definitely a different aspect. And I feel like I've always been, you know, pretty okay with that. But there are definitely some people that are a little touchier in in the climbing community or in that side of it where you can you can say something and it will really offend someone, you know, and that's never like the object i'm just so used to being with a bunch of cowboys that just kind of like slur off stuff and not really thinking anything to be you know hurtful or any kind of way they're just like hey why don't you like like grow a pair and just do it like you know be i've I've seen that in the climbing community too now but there's definitely some more touchy uh bases uh on the climber side i think that uh you know people are a little more on the on the sensitive side and i've definitely like honed that in a lot more uh, i mean it's like i mean we talk about climbing in the traditionally was like this man's world but fucking yeah. bull riding right yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> right i mean is there are there women bull riders at all yeah there there are a few yeah, um, a few, it's, right? <laughs> you know the funny thing is like uh like in climbing like you still have these like badass women climbers that out climb guys any day of the week and mm-hmm. And rodeo, you would kind of think that maybe at one point it would get there in the bull riding because there's there's some girls out there trying to do it. And I'm not really sure what the reason is, but it's always seemed to be something that I don't know if if a female bull rider would ever be able to break into that level of mm-hmm. competition. Um, and, you know, there, there are some out there like, trying to do that right now but i don't know right you know, i don't know yeah, it's 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 a steep hill yeah um and yeah i mean and culturally too it's um i mean part part of the reason we've got more opportunities now is because i mean sport climbing and bouldering be, is is a far more accessible end of the sport mm-hmm. and and if you look at the rise of women climbers it's partially when that stuff became introduced in in vogue because it just was like an opportunity um, effect of like here's a, and gyms too like here's this opportunity yeah and so when you have the opportunity you get this whole a much more diverse group of people mm-hmm. um, and it's like uh, there's been I don't see a step in bull riding where it suddenly became like a more accessible I mean it, it's become yeah. more popular maybe or a yeah. bigger thing but you know it's still just fucking getting on a bowl and yeah. trying to stay on it's definitely you know like uh if a girl goes to a practice bed and wants to get mm-hmm. on bulls like everyone's like totally like open to you know them doing that kind of thing right. and you know i feel like maybe one day that it would be something i mean i think it's cool when you see them go out there and you know get on a bull and you know there's some that i've seen on facebook and stuff that are doing pretty well right well, let me um, go back to this this thing because one of the things you mentioned too is when you're talking about like revealing yourself to one crowd or the other um, as a business owner. Like, there's again with PC sort of culture, there's you know plenty of people who find bull riding and and those ends um, those ends of that sport to be cruel to the animals and things like that. Have, have you felt like a, a a need to defend that or sort of keep that out of the conversation in the climbing world? I mean, I'm about to force you to put it in the conversation. So, <laughs> I mean, um, early on I did. Um, I was quite surprised, at least in the area where I was climbing in Tucson, that it was anytime I brought it up, people were like, oh man, that's, that's really cool. You get to travel and, and do all of these things. And I feel like a lot of the people that, you know, the animal right activists, mm-hmm. they don't really know enough about rodeo to understand that these animals, like there's livestock at 
you know, they get slaughtered every year and these bulls are raised from a baby. So they die of natural age. Right. They get to breed and buck and like, they enjoy doing it. There's nothing like the whole flank strap around the balls thing. Like it's just a soft cotton rope. It's nowhere, it's nowhere near their balls as a belt is to your balls, you know, like that kind of thing still dangles out there in, in that culture. But I haven't, I haven't looked for that in Mm -hmm. a while. So I don't know if that's still the case, but there's, I mean, we go to rodeos too and they'll every now and then you'll see an animal activist protester at Mm -hmm. the rodeos and, you know, we're always respectful and everything and just don't mind them any business. But yeah, like when I first started, I was definitely a little like, I don't know if, you know, it's going to be an issue or not. Like I've always known how I've treated animals in the rodeo world and known that I've never done any kind of harm to anything. And I've always been like totally content with Mm -hmm. how rodeo treats their animal athletes. And that's what they are. They're legit athletes worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know. Um, but, yeah, I was I was happy to realize that it's not as much into the climbing culture as I first thought. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think, like, we're running – we're dealing with stereotypes either way because yeah. I have all these stereotypes about, you know, these cowboys. And I keep saying cowboys, and you were always – like, yesterday, you're like, no, 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 we're bull riders, like – Cowboys yeah. go out and like work, work livestock. And, yeah, and, they're like yeah. hard, hard working people. Right. <laughs> and I've cowboyed a couple times and it's just a full day out. Right. And, you know, I'm I'm an athlete. I, I'm I'm a little lazy on, on that front. So I give all the respect to those guys that are actually ranching out there. Right. Yeah, but see I'm I'm like just, you know, bumping it all together. Yeah. Right? And like and, and that's kinda why again why I wanted to have you on the show is to like talk about bull riding as this athletic thing, as this like sport, as something you have to approach with a serious mentality. Because I assume when you said like it's changed a lot and you know, talking about back to the nineties because I, I, when you talked about that, I'm like thinking about how like climbing has also changed from this thing that you just went out and did into this, at least for a lot of people, this performance sport. Yeah. And I would imagine like when you're talking about the 90s, you're probably Very. talking literally about these cowboys that yeah. would show up and I'll ride the fucking bull. Like, yeah, sure, I mean, I'm yeah. tough, you know, and then it as money got into it and the bulls got better and people are like, like approach it as yeah. an athlete mm-hmm. and you can just be some y- chucklehead that you know rode in off the range kind of dude which i assume a lot of it in the in the 90s probably was that yeah i mean <laughs> just just like climbing like the i mean the bull riding vest only came out like in i think it was like the early 1990s like before that guys weren't even wearing any kind of protective padded vest just a snap shirt Yep, just a snap button shirt. And then actually the death of like this world famous bull rider named Lane Frost. I don't, I mean, there is a movie about it called Eight Seconds. It's like the kind of like cowboy movie of mm-hmm. like bull riding movies. Uh, he actually got gored in the chest and broke a rib and that rib punctured his heart. And that's when one of his traveling partners designed the the vest so like the technology the ropes wearing a helmet like all that stuff has evolved as the bulls have gotten better and the money's gotten better just like climbing so let's talk a little bit about your climbing like um characterize yourself as a climber as my old old enormacast question what kind of climber are you uh mostly sport climbing uh like i was telling you before like bull riding is my dangerous thing i like to keep my climbing safe (laughs) and it's something that i can like try hard and and see progress and have that good feeling of 
accomplishment regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like bouldering too, but if I can't get out with someone that knows the boulder or knows the area, it's kind of really hard for me to like climb a boulder. I mean, especially even by myself, but if I go out with a group, I think it's great. Yeah. I'm the same way. If yeah. I, I'll just wander around and like get sort of confused. Yeah. What's what. Yeah. It's, it can be very Everything I try is too easy and, mm-hmm. or I, or I can't pull, even pull on the first hole. It's like yeah. there's, it's really hard to find like the in-between one by yourself. Um, the only place I found that was really easy for that was Fontainebleau. Okay. I still yeah. say, and a lot of people say, if you're not a boulderer, you can still go to Fontainebleau and have this fucking great. It's like a bouldering area for non-boulderers. Yeah. So if you ever are, are back with your buddy, your bareback riding buddy in oh, France, in France. Like fucking yeah. Fontainebleau's rad. But um, anyway, go ahead. Um, trad climbing, I do really enjoy. Like, I really enjoy the thought of like being that in control in a... I mean, hardcore trad climbers would feel like they trust their gear more than bolts. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's like knowing the confidence to place a piece and have the confidence in climbing. Like, I do really enjoy trad climbing. I just haven't gotten enough time at it. And mm-hmm. like Yosemite is just like, I mean, that would be like we did a couple trad routes out there, like five seven, five eight, and I was still getting, I was still getting scared. Mm-hmm. But it's it's something that I definitely do want to start pushing a little bit right. and you're a mount lemon local mount lemon which the trad climbing is very scary it's it's granite but it's not great granite right you know like the gear is very hard so i don't really like trad climbing there. yeah i mean it's like it's granite but it, there's not the splitters aren't no it's like kind of seams. yeah a lot of crystals so mm-hmm. I, I remember i've climbed there once a long time ago and i remember you know a lot of like nuts and shit seemed in real crystalline granite so that's always a little bit you're waiting for like one of those crystals to pop or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah i remember it being tricky and surprised that like oh it's really actually mostly a bolted climbing area despite the fact that it's a it's granite yeah there's a couple good trad lines but but mount lemon is mostly the harder the grade the smaller and the sharper the holds you know and that's what i'm used to and then coming like to rifle it's like oh man it's so different, yeah. you know, like no, not a lot of crimp action. So let's talk about the last thing here is like you, you got out of rodeo, you've gotten back into it. Um, you've also got this business, the rodeo resoles, you're back into rodeo, maybe just as a business proposition. Um, where, where is it going from here? Do you think your, your rodeo, um, life, I mean, do you age out of rodeo like you do with a lot of other sports? Oh, I mean, I mean just uh, injury-wise, yeah, you must eventually yeah, of course. bang yourself up one too many times. Yeah, and that's what I've always like wanted to like avoid. But for me right now, it's it's definitely like up in the air. Like I'm taking it one step at a time. Like I'm gonna go to my circuit finals this year and see how that goes. And I went to the NFR twice, like top 15 guys in the world, and both times I just you know had a very rough NFR. First one I got clocked first bull and it's 10 days you know eighty thousand added a night and i got wrecked out separated a bunch of ribs and then i had to get on nine more bulls so that first year was kind of a wash (laughs) and then the following (laughs) and then the following year um i got hurt halfway through the year i was in the top 15 the whole year until like the last four months got hurt you know was out for a year then made the finals again and and had another bad year so it's like if i i walked away from rodeo thinking like i don't need that anymore like i'll move on and 
but there's that unfinished business on that side of my life where it's like, if I could go to the finals and have a good finals, I'd feel really complete. Like nothing would bring me to tears, like doing that, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I, I took those three years off and I went to some amateur rodeos here and there and I was just killing it. I was winning everything I went to and I was getting mad at myself. Like, you know what? I actually am pretty good at this. Maybe I deserve to go back and and have that good year that I always wanted. So that's kind of weighing the risk of possibly getting seriously injured to like achieving a goal in my life that I probably wouldn't be able to get something that great in climbing Mm -hmm. is what I've kind of dabbling in right now. You know, what's, what's worth what I did get those three years off where I got to experience climbing and enjoy it and into the full most and now kind of like maybe I should get my unfinished business in the rodeo side done. You know, very few people get to like be in the top of their sport. And I've been there before and I, I definitely have a way to get back there. And I, I feel like it's important enough to risk. But I'm, like I said, I'm just kind of dabbling back into it slowly and it's actually going really well despite to say like i was kind of thinking yeah I'll, I'll get back into it and i'll get my get my clock handled once or twice and i'll be like no and it's actually going really well so i'm like yeah maybe i'm supposed to go back one more time and have a good finals and have some money for me and my fiance to buy a house and that kind of stuff would be great because it's gonna be hard to do resoling shoes you yeah. know um what's your climbing dream what's the thing like the the pie in the sky, like uh, I get this rodeo thing done, and then I'm gonna dedicate myself to climbing, and this is gonna happen. Yeah, when I first left rodeo, I was like, oh, I became a professional bull rider. I could become a professional climber, and then, and then like you know, after a couple months of like trying like 12C, I was like, oh yeah, probably not, probably not. <laughs> Let's see, 12C, probably, probably missed. Yeah, what do I have to climb to be a professional climber? <laughs> Uh, 15 let's yeah. see, one two three mm. numbers yeah <laughs> yeah like oh and you know every grade it seems like the hardest thing once you go up one grade right like, it's like ah how could mm. this hold be smaller yeah it seems right. too small already <laughs> um yeah so i like i mean i'd really like to climb 514 and i i know people in tucson that are, are pushing those grades so i definitely have people to to you know to emulate and like know what needs to be done for that and Mm -hmm. that's kind of like my general goal for climbing i think that would be like really great if i could just do a soft 14a one day you know (laughs) soft (laughs) everybody write dustin and and tell him which ones are the soft ones um what about uh what about like location place like uh object instead of just the number you got a, you got like a dream climb somewhere. I mean, even mm. if it's just like the next couple few years. Uh, level. I'd, I'd really like to break into some bigger wall stuff. Like Moonlight Buttress is like, I feel like I'm getting into the aspects of being able to like do that climb, but like the logistics and the obviously the trad climbing part of it, and definitely still need quite a bit of work. Right. But just like, I'm a big fan of red rock like moab i absolutely love like and i know you were saying like splitters after a while they can get a little you know repetitive yeah after 30 years yeah dude. after 30 years 
yeah. So, but like, I was just Talk something to me when you're 60. Just <laughs> something about that that I've, what, like, I don't know, jamming my hand into cracks and stuff. Like, it just seems like the blankness around you. Like, uh, I don't know. I haven't gotten to do like a ton of good serious crack climbing. Maybe I'll be opposed to it once I really do. But yeah, like doing some bigger routes, doing some stuff in Yosemite would be great. Um, yeah, kind of like big wall climbing would be really cool, you know. Well, you know, off with thing is probably the the bull riding of climbing. Yeah, yeah, I've done a bit of that, and I'll agree that that's like just a battle full body fatigue. Like, yeah, there uh, there's this really cool off with in France that I did it at a quarry. It's like a vertical foot wide crack that just slanted out for like I don't know sixty feet that you would just like brutally like crawl like completely slab below you like a total groin workout like trying to stay on that thing yeah i don't know about off with climbing (laughs) all right folks thanks for listening and thanks to dustin for doing that i kind of hit him up out of the blue and he was game i found it fascinating I've gone down a little bull riding rabbit hole since then, just checking it out, what that lifestyle's like. So you can find Dustin on Instagram. His personal account is DustinBowen48. And I tell you, I looked at some of the other Dustin Bowens out there on Instagram, and nobody's as cool as this guy. Not anybody I found anyway. Also, you can follow his resole shop at rodeo underscore resole. Try him out. Get him while he's still got a good turnaround time. That's really the hard thing in the resole world these days is letting your, letting your shoes go for months at a time. Anyway, Dustin says he can uh, get those out the door pretty quick. Yeah, maybe maybe put a note in there you heard about on the Normacast. See what he does for you. There's, there's no official anything, but uh, maybe he'll put you, put you to the front of the line. I don't know. I'm not making any promises. Okay, it's hot out but the light at the end of the heat tunnel is upon us. It's almost fall, you guys. September, September. It's right around the corner. I prefer my Rocktober climbing puns because I think September here in Colorado is still pretty hot, but I'll take my climbing puns where I can get them. And even if it's hot, don't forget to check your knot. How about that? Rhymes. <laughs> the balls with a snowball. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah! That's better. Hold on, car.